Hi everyone and welcome to episode 161 of Chairside Live. I'm your host Megan Strong and I'm glad you're tuning in today because we have a great show. Dr. Anna Maria Murashan will take us through an implant case featured in this issue of Chairside Magazine. This case is all about providing implant treatment and protecting dentition with an Astron occlusal splint. Let's take a look. For this implant case, I would like to start by saying that it was an implant I placed soon after I graduated dental school. And because of that, I had to rely either on a relative or my best friend for that kind of trust from my patient. Besides, I was very lucky to have Dr. Abai as an innocent bystander to watch over the procedure. So, here is my patient, Nora, a young woman that had an edentulous space associated with the area of tooth number 30. A removable partial denture restored function and maintained interproximal and interocclusal space for a while until she decided she was ready or she trusted me enough to replace her partial with a fixed implant restoration. After periodontal treatment to replace the missing tooth, I planned a single-stage surgical protocol for the implant procedure. On Nora's case, I used the inclusive tapered implant, a screw-retained broxer anterior crown to replace number 30, and a astron bite splint to help protect patient dentition from parafunctional habits. I chose Braxer anterior for the implant crown because this material has average fractular strength of 650 megapascals. Prior to the implant placement, I used CombeBeam CT to acquire the three-dimensional images to evaluate the prospective implant site. A 2mm thick radiographic stent that had a 3mm drill opening for gutta percha helped me gather information about the location of anatomical structures in relation to the planned implant site. Alveolar ridge measurements using Prixion 3D viewer predicted optimal buccal lingual, mesial distal, and apical implant position. Also helped visualize vital anatomical structure and help me decide if any bone grafting will be necessary at the time of implant placement. Based on this three-dimensional data, I was able to accurately measure the height and the width of the bone and choose the exact size implant I want to use. I chose a 4.7 millimeter by 10 millimeter inclusive tapered implant and I felt comfortable with 10 millimeter length not only to stay away from the IA nerve but also from the submandibular depression. Following appropriate anesthesia, I made a crestal and sulcular incision and used a periosteal elevator to raise a full thickness flap. To help Find proper position for the initial drill, I start preparing the osteotomy using a surgical stent. Initial perforation of the alveolar ridge was done with a 0.5 mm diameter lens drill. For the surgical drills that followed, I felt that I was struggling to see the black markings on the drills, so I decided to continue the osteotomy without the surgical stent to increase my visibility. To check the orientation of the osteotomy, I took an x-ray with a parallel pin in place. After confirming the proper position, I continued to widen the osteotomy proceeding to the final drill. The implant was threaded into the osteotomy at 15 RPMs until fully seated. 
This implant had internal hex connection with a 3.5 millimeter platform and the recommended placement is at the bone level. To verify primary stability of the implant, I use a hand torque wrench and you can see here is indicating about 35 Nm. To prepare the implant site for healing, I selected a 4.7 by 5 mm healing abutment. The final radiograph confirmed proper seating of the healing abutment as well as the positioning of the implant in the alveolar bone. Once the healing abutment was placed, I used simple interrupted Gore-Tex sutures with plans to remove the sutures after 14 days and allow 12 to 16 weeks for osteointegration. During the healing phase, the patient continued to use her previously made Astron Bite splint. After allowing the implant to osteointegrate, the patient returned two months later for the final impression appointment. At this time, I took the shade prior to removing the healing abutment, and after removing the healing abutment, the impression coping was torqued into place. An X-ray confirmed that the transfer coping was seated correctly. Here I am syringing the impression material around the impression coping, preparing to take the final impression using a close tray impression technique. The impression was sent to the lab for the fabrication of a screw-retained implant-supported Broxer anterior crown in shade A3. At the delivery appointment, the healing abutment was removed and here I am using chlorhexidine to rinse out the site prior to the inserting of the crown. Because of the concern about the risk for periimplantitis due to the residual cement, when aesthetics and occlusal considerations permit, I prefer a screw retain instead of cement retained crown. The final crown was delivered with a torque of 30 newton centimeter. Interproximal contacts were rechecked, and to cover the access hole, I used Teflon tape and camouflage nanohybrid composite. Occlusion was checked with one tape shim stock. Slight occlusal adjustment were necessary to obtain one tape of shim stock out of occlusion. After delivering the crown successfully, the patient previously made astron bite splint was adapted chairside by immersing it in hot water to provide ideal fit. With her new Broxer anterior restoration in place, the astron bite splint still continued to be the occlusal device of choice. Thank you for that, Dr. Murashan. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, we thank you for watching and hope you'll come back next week. We got no prompter now. Dee -dee -dee -dee. There's no prompter on this camera. That's why I'm not doing anything. Go grease lightning. Please lightning. Go grease lightning.